So on the 13th, I had drove down and went and looked, and I stood out on one of the rocks, and I looked down, and there was a fish right on the rock that was dead, you know? And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And I looked down in the water, and I could see there was another fish. I used my stick that I hike with all the time uh, to move the fish, and all this rainbow stuff came flying up out of the water, and then the smell hit me. I was really pretty shocked. My knees like almost buckled because I knew how serious this was, especially with everyone having just got the all clear to go home. And I just couldn't stop thinking about it all night. That's all I could. It just was going through my head. I didn't get any sleep at all. This is Derailment Disaster, Crisis in East Palestine. When I was a kid, my cousin, a friend and I, we would go hang out in the small creek that ran behind my house. The time of year didn't matter. Usually it was dry enough to walk it all the way to a nearby park a handful of blocks away. We'd flip rocks in search of crayfish. You might call them crawfish or crawdads. And after a good storm, we just had to see how much water was rushing through. I may or may not still do that today. It's kind of just a way of life in these small Ohio towns. Well, and maybe where you grew up too. In East Palestine, two creeks cut through town. There's Leslie Run that comes through the village from the west. Then there's Sulphur Run that twists through the east side of the city and travels under buildings in the downtown area, right at the entrance of the East Palestine City Park. It's an area I'm familiar with. I once played baseball there when I was in high school. I can't even explain how strange it was to go back after all these years, to see the sunset as a herd of deer stood on a hill in the distance, while at the same time I watched aeration machines blowing creek water into the air like fountains. I thought about the reports of kids still playing in these creeks as I looked at the newly erected signs saying keep out, testing and cleaning in progress. It's surreal. Off in the distance you can hear the train running, hear the train whistle. I thought of Jennifer Yeoman, who sent me videos she shot of Leslie Run in the first few days following the derailment and chemical burn. She'd watched videos from others circulating and wanted to see it for herself. With everything going on, you don't really know if that's true or not. I thought it wouldn't be nothing for me to go over there, take a look and see if I see any dead fish or see anything that looks, you know, not okay. I just want to say that smell is noxious. And sure enough, as she says at the beginning of this episode, she sloshed a stick in the water. Disgusting, burnt plastic, chemical, awful smell and saw a green and purple sheen float to the surface. That was after she had brushed aside a few dead fish. And there you can see another dead fish, a little minnow down in there. Jennifer grew up in East Palestine, and her parents still live there. They are 1.4 miles from the derailment. My dad's okay. My mom has asthma really bad. She's the one I worry about the most, you know. I'm an only child. I planned on living there when my parents were gone. and. Now, do I really want to live there? This changes everything. Every which way you can imagine that, that town's been affected. And there's not a place that you can drive in East Palestine that your childhood memories haven't just been 
completely demolished by this stuff. I've never seen anything in 30 years like this and the situation happening in East Palestine. That's Erin Brockovich as she spoke to residents at a town hall meeting three weeks after the Norfolk Southern derailment. I've learned in communities over and over and over again, they can handle the truth, whether it scares them or they don't want to hear it, but what they can't handle is a mistruth being misled and a lie. The renowned environmental activist and consumer advocate has a long history of fighting for communities affected by environmental disasters. And I can see the frustration and the confusion growing for all of you. Her work was famously portrayed in the 2000 film that bears her name, starring Julia Roberts. They may not be the most sophisticated people, but they do know how to divide, and $20 million isn't when you split it between them. Aaron. Second of all, these people don't dream about being rich. They dream about being able to watch their kids swim in a pool without worrying that they'll have to have a hysterectomy at the age of 20. My wife Priscilla and I sat and listened as Aaron shared her knowledge and experience. And though Aaron expressed support and reminded the full capacity audience that they're not alone in their fight for answers and justice. Don't let what has happened here divide you. You have to band together. Frustration grew due to an Ohio law that prevented lawyers in attendance from giving any actual legal advice. Yet another roadblock for an already angry community. But I'm also here to tell you something that I think you're figuring out. And that truly is Superman's not coming. Brockovich, along with an Ohio law firm, came to provide information to help the people of East Palestine and surrounding communities take their lives back after an unprecedented crisis. Brockovich CBS Cleveland reporter Michelle Nix was also there. She knows East Palestine well from her days at a nearby Youngstown station. Hello, Michelle. Yeah. Hey, it's Jared Watson. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I caught up with her to find out if our concerns matched, and they did. What? What were your initial thoughts and what were your initial feelings? Well, my initial thoughts were, oh my gosh, what a disaster when you think about the fact that that many rail cars came off a track um, within a city. It's got to be frightening with homes so close, businesses so close. Can you elaborate maybe on a personal story from this that maybe you spoke to someone that's, that's really stuck with you? There's one woman that I spoke with. She was crying, um, telling me about she feels like they've been abandoned. So many people love that area, but now feel like maybe they're no longer safe in their homes there. People in, in the government, people from Norfolk Southern are making the claims that we're helping, we're doing, we're committing this much money, we're sending these people to do this and that. but. It feels like these aren't things that are directly helping, you know, so they'll open a hotline to go to a clinic to get a blood test and you can't even, you can't even get the blood test. It just seems like it's almost a mess on purpose. Like eventually it'll go away. <laughs> Is that kind of a sense that you're getting as well? Yes, I really feel the same way that you do. Even as a journalist, um, I called one of the numbers to try and find out about well testing 
they gave me a number to call. I called that number and that person said, well, I don't really deal with well testing. I deal with air. So they gave me another number. I called there and they just wanted to take down my information. I think this is why people are frustrated because a number of the telephone numbers they were given didn't seem like they were directly to anybody that could help them. And then often it was taking down their name and number, not knowing when somebody is going to get back to you. Even the reporters during the news conferences would ask questions and we just could not get a straight answer. And it's just extremely frustrating to get, you know, the same talk over and over and over again. And this has gone on for well over a month. Southern train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, raised serious questions about how dangerous chemicals are transported through towns across America. Norfolk Southern is excavating thousands of tons of contaminated soil. Dioxins, I say, are the fentanyl of chemicals. So she went to the doctor. That's when she learned she had vinyl chloride in her urine. The EPA resisted calls for weeks to test for dioxins. Then on March 3rd, they ordered Norfolk Southern to test. Norfolk Southern referred us back to the EPA. Chronic exposure that causes cancer are at very low levels. Multiple research teams at Purdue University are testing contaminated creek water near the site of the Ohio train derailment. As we've reported, Professor Andrew Welton and several students collected water samples from East Palestine, and now Welton and Professors Nisrat Jung and Brandon Bohr are analyzing those samples. Dr. Andrew Welton is an environmental engineer with two decades of experience. So take me to why you decided to do this on your own volition and out of your own pocket. So generally we get called by agencies when they encounter big chemical disasters. Notably, Welton was involved in the response to the 2014 chemical spill in Charleston, West Virginia. Serious charges against four former chemical company executives, Freedom Industries, at the center of that chemical spill in Charleston, West Virginia. Where a leak from a storage tank contaminated the Elk River and disrupted water service to about 300,000 people. He and his team conducted independent water testing and provided much needed public health information to affected residents. For this incident, we didn't get called by the agencies. We got called by people that were impacted. You're saying the residents in East Palestine were reaching out to Purdue, is that correct? Yes, they, they reached out and then we reached back to try to help them answer some questions. We reached out to the governor's office several times to just to provide unsolicited advice based on our 20 years of experience, just so that if they were to align their response in actions and decision making, that they could have that. We also reached out to the US EPA and we also reached out to the county health department as well because we realized that these government agencies and officials kind of want to do the right thing, but sometimes they just don't have the people in the room to help guide them through that process. What kind of response have you gotten back to those requests? Well, we had no response from the governor's office at all. We had no response from the EPA's on-scene coordinator, who I was recommended by some colleagues in the CDC to contact. Uh, and we had some response by the county health department initially, but they said that they were following the advice of the EPA and they do not need any help. 
Can someone please explain to me why these government entities wouldn't jump at the chance to learn from a guy with so much experience in these types of response and cleanup efforts? Make it make sense. What we know is that the evacuation area probably should have been bigger. The Ohio State Attorney General's uh, filing recently of a lawsuit against Norfolk Southern, they indicated that four miles is how far the chemicals spread. At this time, I'll let you uh, hear it straight from the Attorney General, Dave Yost. We also allege violations of Ohio's hazardous waste law, Ohio's water pollution control law, Ohio's solid waste law, and our air pollution control law. So we know that there were exposures that happened, there were acute health impacts, and that people did get sick and hurt. And those people hopefully are receiving medical attention and being advised about what they can do. Like so many others, Andrew seemed confused by Norfolk Southern's level of involvement in the recovery effort. What I don't really understand is why the party that's responsible for the spill is embedded in the decision-making processes and in the room for these public health protection conversations. I have heard through government sources uh, that after the spill and fires, uh, there was a billboard set up where people that were uh, injured were supposed to call what turned out to be Norfolk Southern's call center about what their injuries were. And because of that, all that information seems to have gone from the public space. So we can't really talk about it because all that information went to this call center set up by Norfolk Southern. There's a lot of belief that some of these issues stem from the fact that Norfolk Southern was given so much power in handling the response and really in taking point with incident command that that could be a part of this. I, I don't know that you would have any awareness of that sort of issue. So I have, and I kind of stumbled into it. When we were on site helping homeowners understand what their health risks are, when we discovered that the creeks were heavily contaminated and the officials, local, county, state, and federal hadn't told the people to stay away from them, we saw documentation where the county health department was issuing letters in joint letterhead with Norfolk Southern's contractor, telling them that they're coming by to take water samples to understand the health risks. I find that uh, pretty problematic because generally when you are trying to protect the public's interest, you do not have the entity that caused the damage and ongoing harm in the room for the discussion influencing those discussions. So I, I find that problematic and I've encouraged these different agencies to exclude that party from the initial disaster response. I don't know if that happened. My water was tested twice by the contracted companies associated with Norfolk Southern, and both times the uh, samples have come back that the water is safe for consumption or safe to drink. Jessica Connard, whose house sits along the tracks, is a vocal advocate for East Palestine. You may remember her from a CNN town hall event where she confronted Norfolk Southern CEO, Alan Shaw. You chose not to dig up and just put your tracks right over top of it. She's asking you specifically, what led you to that decision? And over the past three months since the derailment, her family hadn't experienced any noticeable issues with their water. That's all changed now. About a week ago, she sent pictures to my wife, photos of a bathtub, full of soot. When I was in the tub, I was trying to relax, decompress. That's my happy space. 
and all of a sudden the water was running and it started coming out black. What's worse? She's broken out in rashes. And this was not something that happened immediately after the derailment. We didn't really have any symptoms, but, you know, here we are, what, three-ish months later, and, you know, it's now in our water. Her son is on medications to combat eye irritation. Luckily, at this point, two weeks later, we are starting to see my son's eyes clear up, which is good, um, but, but he's still taking the medications. And her dog has had severe gastrointestinal problems. So we were having to take her outside, you know, every couple hours, even through the night. And once we transitioned her back to bottled water, the symptoms resolved. We don't know what we're being exposed to. Um, we know that there were chemicals, but we don't know what Mother Nature has done with those since they've been poured into the soil and, and poured into the air. She called a private well company to come and test her water, and then also called the Norfolk Southern Assistance Hotline to ask a toxicologist what type of filter she might need. To filter the black water as well as the ethyl hexophthalate. And that's a carcinogen in what was previously a clean well system. Jessica was then told to go to the Norfolk Southern Assistance Center that was set up in town. She brought her receipts as she was told and was basically dismissed. The supervisor at that point is who I was talking to, leaned back in his chair, sipped on his Duncan and said, we can't reimburse you. I, I work really hard to not become cynical. And I don't believe that I'm there yet, uh, but I do understand that it, it's it's easy to become very skeptical. And I know that many have become cynical regarding a change of course. I don't know how you get to that place when you've done so much damage prior uh, and you've had every opportunity to do the right thing. So I think that's the that's the the frustration that a lot of people here have is, you know, when you lose someone's trust, you have an uphill battle that isn't always even winnable at a certain point. And that's my fear. I, 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 that's my fear. Well, I think the fear is valid. We, we've seen it elsewhere. And good, strong leaders listen to criticism. And they, they act in the public's interest when it all comes down to it. And that's what I'm hoping for that happens in Ohio and Pennsylvania and with the federal government here. That there needs to be somebody running point on the science for this answering very specific questions that the people want answered and that then will provide a template for the nation when something like this happens again and it affects multiple states multiple jurisdictions the economy the you know children like we need something and that is the opportunity here and the people of east palestine and ohio and as well as pennsylvania have the ability to advocate for that for themselves but it will help everybody else So I filmed for three days, and by the end of the third day, I was pretty sick. And uh, there was nosebleeds, headaches. Uh, my vision was pretty messed up. I just felt very unwell. I woke up feeling really sick on that Saturday morning after I'd been down there Friday night. And I made a decision then that I needed to get to see a doctor because, you know, I didn't know how severe I had been poisoned. But I was starting to come to the realization that, you know, I really was around a lot of poison. And I was standing right over top of it, breathing it without a mask. So probably kind of dangerous.
Moment Disaster, Crisis in East Palestine is a Calliope Media production. Trust Calliope.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-O-P-E. If you feel moved to do so, please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Special thanks to Benstown McVeigh Media.